Chapter Seven of A House of Gentlefolk by Ivan Turgenev, translated by Constance Garnett. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Seven. You don't recognize me," he said, taking off his hat. "But I recognize you, in spite of its being seven years since I saw you last. You were a child then. I am Lavretsky. Is your mother at home? Can I see her?" mamma will be glad to see you replied lisa she had heard of your arrival let me see i think your name is elizaveta said lavretsky as he went up the stairs yes i remember you very well you had even then a face one doesn't forget i used to bring you sweets in those days lisa blushed and thought what a queer man lavretsky stopped for an instant in the hall Lisa went into the drawing-room where Panshin's voice and laugh could be heard. He had been communicating some gossip of the town to Maria Dmitrievna and Gideonovsky, who by this time had come in from the garden, and he was himself laughing aloud at the story he was telling. At the name of Lavretsky, Maria Dmitrievna was all in a flutter. She turned pale and went up to meet him. "'How do you do? How do you do, my dear cousin?' she cried in a plaintive and almost tearful voice how glad i am to see you how are you cousin replied lavretsky with a friendly pressure of her outstretched hand how has providence been treating you sit down sit down my dear fedor ivanitch ah how glad i am but let me present my daughter lisa to you i have already introduced myself to lizaveta mihalovna interposed lavretsky monsieur panshin sergey petrovitch gideonovsky please sit down when i look at you i can hardly believe my eyes how are you as you see i am flourishing and you too cousin no ill luck to you have grown no thinner in eight years to think how long it is since we met observed maria dmitrievna dreamily where have you come from now where did you leave that is i meant to say she put in hastily i meant to say are you going to be with us for long i have come now from berlin replied lavretsky and to-morrow i shall go into the country probably for a long time you will live at lavriki i suppose no not at lavriki i have a little place twenty miles from here i'm going there is that the little estate that came to you from glafira petrovna yes really fyodor ivanch you have such a magnificent house at lavriki lavretsky knitted his brows a little yes but there is a small lodge in this little property and i need nothing more for a time that place is the most convenient for me now maria dmitrievna was again thrown into such a state of agitation that she became quite stiff and her hands hung lifeless by her sides Panshin came to her support by entering into conversation with Lavretsky. Maria Dmitrievna regained her composure. She leaned back in her armchair and now and then put in a word. But she looked all the while with such sympathy at her guest, sighed so significantly and shook her head so dejectedly, that the latter at last lost patience and asked her rather sharply if she was unwell thank god no replied maria dmitrievna why do you ask oh i fancied you didn't seem to be quite yourself maria dmitrievna 
assumed a dignified and somewhat offended air if that's how the land lies she thought it's absolutely no matter to me i see my good fellow it's all like water on a duck's back for you any other man would have wasted away with grief but you've grown fat on it maria dmitrievna did not mince matters in her own mind she expressed herself with more elegance aloud lavretsky certainly did not look like the victim of fate his rosy-cheeked typical russian face with its large white brow rather thick nose and wide straight lips seemed breathing with the wild health of the steppes with vigorous primeval energy he was splendidly well built and his fair curly hair stood up on his head like a boy's it was only in his blue eyes with their overhanging brows and somewhat fixed look that one could trace an expression not exactly of melancholy nor exactly of weariness and his voice had almost too measured a cadence panshin meanwhile continued to keep up the conversation he turned it upon the profits of sugar-boiling on which he had lately read two french pamphlets and with modest composure undertook to expound their contents without mentioning however a single word about the source of his information good god it is fedya came through the half-open door the voice of marfa timofevna in the next room fedya himself and the old woman ran hurriedly into the room lavretsky had not time to get up from his seat before she had him in her arms let me have a look at you she said holding his face off at arm's length ah what a splendid fellow you are you've grown older a little but not a bit changed for the worse upon my word but why are you kissing my hands kiss my face if you're not afraid of my wrinkled cheeks you never asked after me whether your aunt was alive i warrant and you were in my arms as soon as you were born you great rascal well that is nothing to you i suppose why should you remember me but it was a good idea of yours to come back and pray she added turning to marya dmitrievna have you offered him something to eat i don't want anything lavretsky hastened to declare come you must at least have some tea my dear lord have mercy on us he has come from i don't know where and they don't even give him a cup of tea lisa run and stir them up and make haste i remember he was dreadfully greedy when he was a little fellow and he likes good things now i dare say my respects marfa timofevna said panshin approaching the delighted old lady from one side with a low bow pardon me sir replied marfa timofevna for not observing you in my delight you have grown like your mother the poor darling she went on turning again to lavretsky but your nose was always your father's and your father's it has remained well and are you going to be with us long i'm going to-morrow aunt where home to vasilievskaya to-morrow yes to-morrow well if to-morrow it must be god bless you you know best only mind you come and say good-bye to me 
the old woman patted his cheek i did not think i should be here to see you not that i have made up my mind to die yet a while i shall last another ten years i dare say all we pistovs live long your late grandfather used to say we had two lives but you see there was no telling how much longer you were going to dangle about abroad well you're a fine lad a fine lad can you lift twenty stone with one hand as you used to do eh your late pap was fantastical in some things if i may say so but he did well in having that swiss to bring you up do you remember you used to fight with your fists with him gymnastics wasn't it they called it but there why i am gabbling away like this i have only been hindering mr panshin she never pronounced his name panshin as was correct from holding forth besides we'd better go and have tea yes let's go on the terrace my boy and drink it there we have some real cream not like what you get in your londons and parises come along come along and you fiducia give me your arm oh but what an arm it is upon my word no fear of my stumbling with you everyone got up and went out on the terrace except gideonovsky who quietly took his departure during the whole of lavretsky's conversation with maria dmitrievna panshin and marfa timofeevna he sat in a corner blinking attentively with an open mouth of childish curiosity now he was in haste to spread the news of the new arrival through the town at eleven o'clock on the evening of the same day this is what was happening in madame kalitin's house downstairs vladimir nikolaitch seizing a favourable moment was taking leave of lisa at the drawing-room door and saying to her as he held her hand you know who it is draws me here you know why i am constantly coming to your house what need of words when all is clear as it is lisa did not speak and looked on the ground without smiling with her brows slightly contracted and a flush on her cheek but she did not draw away her hands while upstairs in marfa timofevna's room by the light of a little lamp hanging before the tarnished old holy images lavretsky was sitting in a low chair his elbows on his knees and his face buried in his hands the old woman standing before him now and then silently stroked his hair he spent more than an hour with her after taking leave of his hostess he had scarcely said anything to his kind old friend and she did not question him indeed what need to speak what was there to ask without that she understood all and felt for everything of which his heart was full End of chapter seven